So for the past few weeks, we've been dealing with the subject called digging deeper. Somebody say digging deeper. I want everyone to shout digging deeper. I am convinced that uh, God has called you to go deeper than you've ever been before. He has not called you to live a stagnant life. He's not called you to live a Monday life. He has called you to go deeper than you've ever been before. And uh, I'm reminded in the Scriptures how Jesus was anointed with the Spirit without measure. I'm reminded of how the prophets said that we ought to go from glory to glory. I'm reminded that you and I are on a journey called sanctification. And this journey requires us to grow and to expand and to be better than we've ever been before. One of my responsibilities as a, Christ, as a pastor is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12. If you will look there, it will be behind me on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12. Ephesians 4 and verse number 12. This, let's just look at verse number 11. Excuse me. Ephesians 4 verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we be no longer like children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. So my responsibility as a pastor and as the shepherd of this place is to make sure that you are growing. The Bible says that he gave gifts to the church and one of those gifts is a pastor or a teacher or a prophet or apostle. These ministry gifts are given to the church so that the church can grow into the person that God has called it to be. Now it's interesting to me in verse number 11, look at verse number 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In the original Greek, there is no article and. There is no article and. It's actually, and he gave him some, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There is no article there. So in other words, there's really not a five-fold ministry. There's only a four-fold ministry because the pastor is a teacher. Every pastor is a teacher, but not every teacher is a pastor. Do you hear me? Every pastor is a teacher, but not every teacher is a pastor. And so my responsibility is to make sure I push you on the growth. My responsibility is to make sure that I propel spiritual growth and push spiritual growth in your life because you are called to grow. You are not called to be stagnant. You are not called to remain where you're at. You're called to go to a new level. How many's tired of living a stagnant life? How many's tired of living a Monday stagnant, ordinary Christian life? God has called you to be more than ordinary. God has called you to walk in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit and to be men and women of God, men and women who are walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, operating by the Spirit. You are not called to live a Monday life. You are called to live a life in the Spirit. And every time I read the Gospels, and every time I read the epistles of the Paul, he, he would reiterate the phrase, 
Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Listen, being led by the Spirit is not some kind of goosebumps. It's not something that you experience at the altar, so to speak. Being led by the Spirit is when you follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You see, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You don't need anybody to prophesy over you and tell you what you need to do. You've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and that Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you has the ability to direct you in everyday affairs. Just not big affairs, but small affairs. The small details of your life. Can I hear an amen? You have the Spirit of God inside of you. But some of us don't activate the Spirit of God. We don't listen to the Spirit of God because we don't think that the Spirit of God is concerned about our daily life. But the Spirit of God is concerned about everything that you do. There is no such thing as spiritual and secular. Everything you do is spiritual. Can I hear an amen? There is no such thing as putting everything in a box. This is spiritual this is what, I honor God with this, but this is what I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. No, everything is spiritual. Everything you do in life is spiritual because you are led by the Spirit and you are a believer and you operate in another kingdom. You don't operate by this kingdom's worlds or standards, but you operate by another standard, another realm, another dimension, and it's called the spiritual world. Somebody say amen. You are called to go to a deeper level. Somebody better shout up in here. You are called to go deeper than you've ever been before. Are you tired living the stagnant life? One person. I said, are you tired of living the stagnant life? I'm a participatory preacher. You know what that means? Every once in a while, I want you to nod and let me know you're alive and well and you're not on the ventilator. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I like a little bit of life in church. Is that all right? I'm not insecure. I just need to, I just, I just want to let you know, I want to see that you're alive this morning, all right? Can I say amen? Now, <clears throat> are you tired of living a Monday life? And the Spirit of God has been speaking to me about going to a new level and a new dimension in my life. You know, we were, we, and, and, and I'm preaching out of my overflow because this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me. And I believe if He's saying it to me, He's saying it to us as a body. And you know what's interesting to me, in Joshua chapter 5, we looked at this story last week about how they crossed over the Jordan River, and when they crossed over the Jordan River, the manna stopped, and when the manna stopped, there was a man, a commander of the Lord's army, standing there with a sword. In other words, what God was doing, He was bringing the people to a new level, to a new dimension, to a new chapter in their life. And God was preparing His people that he was, he was preparing his people to a different dimension. He was saying, I'm not going to provide for you like I used to. I'm not going to provide for you in the same manner that I used to. I'm going to provide in a different dimension. He stopped the manna in Joshua chapter 5. When they crossed over the Jordan River, there was no more manna. The manna had stopped. There was no more water from the rock. The water had stopped. There was no more pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. All of it had stopped. For 40 long years, the children of Israel experienced God's provision. 
For 40 long years, the children of Israel experienced God taking care of them every morning and every evening. He was giving them manna. He's, he was giving them water. He was giving them the, uh, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I mean, he was taking care of all of their needs. But Joshua chapter 5 gives us an indication that there was a shift in their life. There was a transition in their life. The manna had stopped. The water had stopped after they crossed over the Jordan River, and God says, listen, I'm preparing you to go to a deeper dimension. I'm not going to provide for you like I used to. I'm not going to give you the manna like I used to. I'm not going to give you the water like I'm used to. I am bringing you to a different dimension. I'm still providing for you, but I'm going to provide for you in a different way. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua chapter 5, verse number 9, and the Lord said to Joshua, This day have I removed the reproach of Egypt from off of you. And they called the place Gilgal. The word Gilgal means to change or to turn around. That's what God was doing. God says, I'm changing. I'm changing your life. I'm bringing a new dimension in your life. Verse number 10, Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgal, kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. They ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, the unleavened bread, and on the very same day. Then the manna ceased the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the fruit of Canaan. What are you saying, Pastor? Don't lose me. This is so very, very important. For 40 years, the children of Israel experienced God's blessing. For 40 years, they had manna. Forty years they had water. Forty years God was providing for them. And all of a sudden, when they got to the new land, God stopped it all. That doesn't mean that God didn't love them. It didn't mean that God didn't have a plan for them. It just meant God was saying, I am stretching your faith. I am bringing you to a new dimension and a new level, and I'm going to provide a different way for you. And the Bible says that when they crossed over, they had to eat the fruit of the land or the produce of the land. Well, my question is this, how do you get the produce? You get the produce by planting, putting the seed into the ground, being patient, and waiting for the seed to grow into fruit and grain. So they had to wait for it. In other words, God stopped the manna, God stopped the water, they went to the new land and they had to work for their food. And not only did they have to work for their food, but the Bible says in verse number 13, Joshua 5 and 13, And it came to pass that Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Isn't it amazing that when the manna stopped, the very first thing that Joshua saw was a man with a sword? Because God was trying to demonstrate to his people that I am providing a different way now. I used to provide for you instantly, but now in this new dimension, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to put seed in the ground. You're going to have to work for it. I'm still providing for you, but I'm providing for you in a different way. And then God, or Jesus in a theopany, stands there as the commander of the Lord's army. So the Lord was saying to his people, this dimension is a dimension of warfare. The man had a sword in his hand. It is a dimension 
of warfare. No longer are you going to get blessed instantly, but now you need to work for it. You need to wait for it. You need to put the seed in the ground. You need to wait for it to grow. And not only do you need to wait for it, but this is a season of warfare. They didn't need to fight in the wilderness. God provided for them. They didn't need anything in the wilderness. God took care of them. But in this new dimension, in Canaan, in the promised land, it was a land and season of warfare. They had to fight all the ites. And you know the story. They crossed over the Jordan, and they had to fight the enemy. They had to fight one enemy after another, but the Lord was with them. So what are you saying, Pastor? I know I explained this to you last week, but I'm going somewhere, and I'm reviewing because I wanted to get it inside of you. You need to understand that just because you're in a struggle and just because it doesn't seem like it's going the way you think it should go and all of hell has broken loose against you, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God has left you or not, is not concerned about you. It could mean that God is bringing you to a new level. It could mean that God has taken you from step A to bring you to step B. It, it means that God is stretching your faith that God is saying, listen, I want to do something so great in you that your maturity, your maturity level has to be at a certain level so that you can carry the promise that I've given to you. Some of you can't carry the promise that God has given you. Some of you have dreams. Some of you have visions. Some of you have great ideas. And you're wondering why it's not taking place. I'll tell you why it's not taking place is because God says your maturity level is not where it needs to be because if I blessed you with everything you needed and if I gave it all to you right now, your character is not strong enough to carry the weight of the promise that I've given you. So I've got to make sure I stretch your faith. I've got to make sure I grow you to the place. I've got to make sure I bring you up to a level where you have shoulders strong enough to carry the promise of God that I've destined for you to have. So instead of complaining, instead of wondering why, what's wrong with my life, it could be that God is saying, this is a season where I'm trying to grow you up. And you should never stop growing. We're always in a season of growing. I'm in a season of growing. You're in a season. We're all in a season of growing. You should never stop growing. You should always have the desire to grow. And I said all, now I said all that last week. And I just gave you a quick review, but I want to point out a principle, a, a fresh principle in Joshua chapter 5. Now, get this. This is what's interesting to me. That the manna stopped, get this, the manna stopped, the water stopped when they crossed over the Jordan River. It all stopped. And God says, I want you to be a warrior. I want you to be patient. I want you to work for your food. I'm still with you. But there was something else that we forget that happened in the story. Joshua chapter 5 and beginning with verse number 7. This is what happens. Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 7. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in that place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was. When they had finished circumcising all the people that had stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Now, get what's happening here. 
right before God brings them over to this new season, right before God takes them to a different dimension, He says, I'm going to provide differently for you. I'm not going to provide the same way I used to provide. It's going to be different. But right before they crossed over, Joshua said to all the men, i got to circumcise you all. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God says, what I want to do, I want you to circumcise these men because in 40 years, they've never been circumcised. Circumcise these men, and then you can cross over the Jordan River. Now, church, this is what the Lord is saying. You and I know what circumcision is. It's a practice, still practiced today in most of the religions of the world. It started with Abraham. And God says, circumcise every man before they cross over. Circumcision happens in a private place. And what God is doing, spiritually, God is saying, before you go over to that next dimension in your life, you've got to let me work on the private places of your heart. You've got to let me in the private places of your heart. And isn't it interesting that when they were circumcised, they were called to celebrate the Passover. Let me tell you something. Circumcision on a grown man would be very difficult. And then God calls them to celebrate the Passover. You see, because God was saying, in spite of your hurt, in spite of your hurt, I'm still calling you to celebrate. And some of us don't want to celebrate. We don't want to come to church. We give up on God because things are painful. But this story demonstrates to us that sometimes you've got to learn to celebrate the Passover even when God's been dealing with the secret places of your heart. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, before I go to that new dimension, what is the secret? What is the secret of going to the new dimension? What is the secret of going to a new level? What is the secret of God taking me from A to B? What is the secret of God bringing me to a new dimension? What is the secret of God bringing me into a new phase? The secret is allow Him to circumcise the private places of your heart. See, God wrote a covenant to Jeremiah and said, I want you to go tell my people that no longer will I circumcise their flesh. I want to circumcise their hearts. I want to take out the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You see, in order for you to go to that new dimension, in order for you to go to that new level, God has to deal with the secret places of your heart. There are places in your heart that you don't let anybody else go in. There are places in our heart that we shove things in and lock the door and walk away from it. We become defensive and aggravated if somebody tries to bring up something in our past that we don't want dealt with. There are some of you that's had traumatic childhoods, but we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to continue, sweep it under the rug. But there comes a time in your life that God says, if you're going to go to that new dimension, a new level, 
then you're going to have to understand, you're going to have to let me in your heart and deal with those secret places of your heart. I've got to circumcise the private places of your life. God says, before you go over, before you go to the promised land, before I take you over the Jordan River, I've got to do something in your heart that nobody else knows about. Ladies and gentlemen, what about it? Are we dealing with the same issues that we've dealt with for years? Are we struggling with the same sins that we've dealt with for years? Are you dealing with the same emotions that you've dealt with for years? Are you still dealing with the same unforgiveness and bitterness towards people that you've dealt with for years? And God is saying, if you, you want to know why you're not making any progression in your life, you're not making any progression because you're not allowing me to circumcise the private places of your heart. You're not allowing me to get in there and let me get my job done. You're not allowing me. It's easy for us to close the doors and say, listen, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk with it. Well, guess what? Anybody can do that. Come on. Anybody can say, I don't want to deal with those issues. takes somebody who is following the Spirit to allow God to open their heart and to deal with the issues. Sometimes that means that we got to go back and apologize. And sometimes that means we got to go back and mend relationships. That doesn't mean you got to reconcile to them, but it does mean that you got to do your part. You see what God was doing with the children of Israel. God was saying, listen, this is what God was trying to do. God was saying, I am taking you to a physical place. I am taking you from the wilderness and I'm bringing you to the promised land. There is an actual change of location that's happening. But the Lord is saying, more than that, I need to do a change in your heart before I do a change in location. And that's what people do. I've seen people get up and move and take their families to here and there because they think location, so people hop, jump, churches, because they think somehow location solves the issue. And, and, and that's not the issue. We're, we're trying to change locations to deal with what God is trying to do inside. God is saying location is secondary. The circumcision of your heart is first. got to deal with the private places of your heart first before your feet actually move. You want to move your feet first, but let me move in your heart first before your feet moves. Can I hear an amen? It's the prodigal son. The prodigal son was in the pigsty. And what did the prodigal son do? He had a change on the inside. He said, why should I sit here when my father has hired servants? Why do I need to sit here and die? He fought it on the inside he said, why do I need to sit here? And then the Bible says, and he got up and arose and went to his father's house. There was a change on the inside before there was a change with his feet. And what God wants to do in some of you, God wants to do a change on the inside of you. Quit running from God. Quit running around and running from God, hopping, jumping, and skipping, and jumping here. And God is saying, settle down and let me do something on the inside of your heart. said, I want to circumcise your heart. I want to do something in your heart that nobody's been done. And you know what's interesting to me? 
that in 40 years they hadn't been circumcised. For 40 years, God provided for them. God's gave them water. God's gave them manna. But not one of them was circumcised. That tells me that God can bless you still with your issues. That tells me that you can still wrestle with issues and still get blessed. But you'll never go to the new dimension unless you allow that Holy Spirit to do that in your heart. What about it, folks? Don't you ever get tired? Is the Holy Spirit ever, is the Spirit speaking to you? Is, is there something in your heart, in your life, maybe that secret sin that you've covered up for years that nobody else knows? The Holy Spirit saying, let me do a private work in your heart. What about the issues with our family that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to go back and deal with? Listen, let, let me tell you something. You know, I, I can sympathize with you, no disrespect to anybody, but I'm not, I don't want no pity party. Listen, I had to learn to fight growing up. I had to learn to fight. I have no tolerance for weak Christians. Absolutely no tolerance for weak Christians. Absolutely not. Because you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You've got a church people who love you. You've got the Bible in front of you. And there's no reason, you live in the United States of America, and there's no reason that you cannot be faithful to church, that you cannot tithe, that you cannot be faithful every week and be dedicated to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this place and allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. There's no reason for it. Can you clap? Maybe say, that's right. There's no reason for it. There's no reason that you can't walk in a spirit of excellence. There's no reason that your marriage can't be well and healthy. There's no reason that you can't develop a prayer life. There's absolutely no reason for it. There's no reason that you can't read a book and engage your mind. There's absolutely no reason. If you're that busy, then you're too busy. You're absolutely too busy, and your priorities are out of line. You're way too busy. If you don't have time for Jesus and you don't have time to come to church once a week and you don't have time, you are too busy and you have worked on, you have worked in life, but you haven't worked on your life. And there's a difference between working in life and working on your life. We have become so busy, that's what we do. We work in life, but we never work on our life. And if you're ever going to go to that place that God wants you to go, you have to understand that there comes a time in my life that I've got to start working on my life. You've got to start working on it. Absolutely no. You say, Pastor, you're preaching hard this morning. Well, because I love you. And sometimes growth is hard. Sometimes it's hard, but how many knows there's no gain without pain? There's no pain without gain. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to deal with the private places of my life. It's easy to come to church and hoop and holler and jump and scream and fall on the floor and give a shanda, randa, siklambabota, C-O-C-L-E-E-D-D-I-E, and all this stuff, and all at the same time, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to get in your heart and say, you need to correct that. You need to change that. 
It's easy to take the shovel and throw it back and let somebody else. It's easy to come to church and get on the iPhone and iPad and not pay attention to the sermon because we don't want the Holy Spirit to get a hold of us because any time the Holy Spirit confronts us, there is a responsibility that we've got to make. You see how the world deals with our problems? The world, the world will give you a pill to take care of your problem. But when there is a problem in your life, God don't give you an instant fix. He gives you a responsibility. He tells the sick man, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says he stretched out his hand and the man was healed. When there is a problem in your life, God gives you a responsibility. When there is a blind man, Barnabas, can't see. He's crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. The Lord didn't go over and just heal him. The Lord says, tell him to come here. Even though he's blind, tell him to try to come and walk to me. And when he got up and began to walk to him, the Lord healed his eyes. Because anytime there's a problem, there is a responsibility that you've got to take. You say, well, my life's falling apart. What responsibility are you taking? Do you remember the prophet, Elisha? And the Bible says they took an axe and threw it in the water and the axe head floated to the top of the water. And what did the servant say to the prophet? The prophet said to the servant, take me to the place that you lost the axe head. And that's what happens in our life. We lose the anointing. We lose the axe head. And the Holy Spirit is the prophet. And the Spirit of God is saying, you need to take me to the place where you lost the anointing. Take me to the place where, there's, where you conceived bitterness in your heart. Take me to the place where you conceived unforgiveness in your heart. Take me to that place and take responsibility for it and allow me to circumcise the places in your heart that you've closed for years. What about it? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to open up your heart and to deal with places and issues in your life that you have shut out for years? It's easy. Easy to come to church, sing our songs, but when the Holy Spirit starts working in our heart and revealing us, I encourage you this week to pray dangerous prayers. I'm asking you instead of praying for everything, pray for yourself. I'm asking you to pray dangerous prayers like Paul prayed, open the eyes of my understanding that I may know you in the hope of your glory. I pray that you begin to say, Lord, Holy Spirit of God, open up my eyes and open up my ears, open up my soul and open up my spirit. Reveal to me those things in my life that needs to be corrected and changed and repented of and made right. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you reveal it to me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that I'd never be right when I'm actually wrong. I, I pray that I never be blinded to my own blind spots. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you take the heavenly spotlight and put it on my heart and reveal those things in my life that I've shut out to you for years. But I've come to let you know, Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do and however you need to do it, I pray you do it in my heart and my life. Oh, when was the last time? So busy working in life, you 
that you don't have time to work on you. What about it? What is the Spirit of God saying to you today? You've got to be careful that the busyness of life is not a cover-up for the emptiness of your soul. You've got to be real careful that the busyness of life isn't a cover-up for the emptiness of your soul. You've got to be real careful. live in a generation where we are so engaged with our thumbs and our hands with computers and technology that we have failed to engage our heart. See what I'm saying? We live in a society where we would prefer to text someone than to talk to them. We've almost have God that way. God, send me a few text messages. I don't really want to have an in-depth conversation with you. Just send me a few words to let me know I'm okay. Then I'll go on my way. God says in this economy, my kingdom, it don't work that way. If any man desires me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. In closing, on the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem, if you've ever been to Israel, there's a road called the Via Della Rosa. You walk up the Via Della Rosa, it's the pathway of the cross. See a bunch of Muslims there smoking weed, whatever they're doing. Pizza shops at the Via Della Rosa. I ate at the pizza shop at the Via Della Rosa. It was kind of odd sitting there eating pizza and drinking Coke. You realize that our blessed Lord carried the cross up the Via Della Rosa. One of the things that they tell you about the Via Della Rosa, the pathway to Calvary, it was also known as a one-way street. That means when you picked up the cross, you can't change your mind and decide, it's too hard today. I think I'm opting out. Once you picked up the cross and you took the first step, you can't turn back because it was a one-way street. The Lord is saying to you, this is a one-way journey, baby. He ain't called you to quit. He didn't call you to have second thoughts about maybe I need to drop the cross and go back. You can't go back. Because once you get start carrying the cross, it's a one-way journey. And you've got to decide that this journey is one way. I'm not giving up. I'm not backsliding. The Holy Spirit is not in me to give up or backslide. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit's in me to be more than a conqueror. The Holy Spirit's in me that I can rise above this. The Holy Spirit's in me so that I can not just make it, 
but that I can more than make it. Can I hear an amen? There's nothing that's going to separate me from the power and the love of God. I've got enough Holy Spirit inside of me that I have the ability to pick up the cross and make the journey. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. They pick up the cross, and it was a one-way journey. Calvary. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a one-way journey, isn't it? So what is the Holy Spirit saying? The Holy Spirit is saying that this is a new dimension, a new chapter, a new phase in your life. I'm not going to provide like I used to. I used to instantly give you manna. I used to instantly give it to you. But this is a new dimension. But before you go to that new dimension, you've got to let me take care of those private places of your heart. And you've got to understand that this new dimension is a, min a dimension of warfare. This is a dimension of being patient. This is, you may have to work for it. But I'm still with you. Doesn't mean that I've left you or forsaken you. It means that I am bringing you to a new place, a new way of thinking, a new perception is being developed. So I encourage you this week to be a warrior. Fight for your family. Fight for your friends. Fight for your church. Fight in faith. I encourage you this week to be patient and wait on the Lord. And I encourage you this week to allow the Spirit of God to do the work in and through your life. To start praying dangerous prayers. Lord, open up my heart and open up my ears and open up my mind, open up my soul and spirit and deal with those places in my heart that I've shut off. And if you do that, I promise you, the Spirit of God will take you from place to place, from glory to glory. You say, Pastor, why are you so enthusiastic about this? Because... I want more from God. There's a cry on the inside of my heart to experience everything that God has for me. And I don't want to miss it. And if i got to lay open and bear before the Lord, then so be it. And I want to know, is there anybody willing to go on the journey with me and allow the Spirit of God to do whatever the Spirit of God wants to do in your life? Is that your cry? Is that your prayer this morning? And I believe with all my heart that's why you're here. You're here because you love God. You're here because you want to honor His house. But you're also here because you sense that pull. You sense that urgency. That the Spirit is pulling you to a different place in your life. You feel it. I feel it. That's what the word of the Lord to this church is. I am bringing you to a new place, to a new dimension.